welcome to the podcast where I forgot to hit record before I started broadcasting on Facebook. And <laughs> you only missed about a minute. And I'm talking about why change. I was talking about how Aaron and, uh, talks about that and how uh, moving from my house. But the point was she kept wanting me to quit. At the when we knew the layoff was coming, just go ahead and do it. And finally, she got honest. Finally, we talked about it. I said, "Why do you keep wanting me to quit? Don't give me hearts for forgetting to record, Angie. <laughs> That's not a thing you should empower." Um, <laughs> and I, my whole stance, once we talked about it, she just hated the unknown. She wanted to be into the next phase of things, so then she could know what the new normal was going to be like, what the new phase of life was going to be like, and then get accustomed to that. I know a lot, and I have, by the way, I do have my Scotchity Scotch today. I told you there would be a day that came when I would have Scotch while I'm doing this show, and there it is. So, uh, now, uh, uh, Angie's like, she's hated packing, and yeah, everybody does that. There, There's always that. But, it, here, okay, so here's the thing with the house, and this all is going to apply. This all is going to come together, Right. <laughs> Thank you, Dodge. Uh, BC Dodges. Give me a thumbs up for forgetting to record the podcast. <laughs> so, when Aaron and I first got married, we moved into a, a duplex, and it was kind of shit. Not the duplex itself. I mean, the duplex was brand new. Nobody had lived there before us. It was brand new. We got in in the early stages of them opening up availabilities. But it was a good old boy, and God damn, I hate good old boys with a passion. And he he was just like, yeah, you know, you and your wife, you look like a young, nice young couple. I was working for an EMS. EMS opened up tons of doors for me. Because just being on the ambulance, all of a sudden I'm a hero and respectable. I could have been a drug dealer for all you really know, or a drug addict for all you really know. But because I had that little star of life on my patch, it's like, oh, I'm a hero. I'm an upstanding citizen. And uh, the rent was decent. It was a two-bedroom, two-bath duplex. And... The rent was like 500 or something a month. It was insanely cheap. It was, But he was such a nozzle, good old boy. He hated black people, so basically discriminated against them in the neighborhood. He And openly talked about it. He had black people working with him. He'd talk about racist things in front of them, which really made me uncomfortable, and I hated it. And I was young then. I didn't know how to handle it. Now I'd absolutely confront it and say, I don't care. This is my house because I'm paying you rent. Get the fuck out of my house. Um, they would... There was an issue with the pipes. Uh, something went wrong with the pipes on the neighbor side because the duplex is basically two flat apartments connected to each other with a, an adjoining wall. And on the neighbor side, there a pipe burst, but it flooded their apartment. But they to access it somehow, they had the the technicians had to come into our place, busted a huge hole in the wall, uh, you know, pulled our our washer and dryer machine out of the way, scraped the floor, busted a hole in the wall to get to the pipes, never fixed it. And I, mean, I had to call them. Like, they were in and out a few times that day. And finally, after a couple of hours of not coming back, I called them. like, are you coming back? Because I need to put my house back together. What the hell, man? Oh, no, yeah, no, we're done. Well, you left a big, huge hole in the wall. Are you going to fix that? Because I'm not taking my safety deposit on that. You, no, it'll be fine. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Put my own shit back. Cleaned up the mess they left. Hole in the wall. Sure enough, when I got to move out. Oh, we're keeping your safety deposit. The fuck you say? Why? You have a hole in the wall. And I recounted detail for detail with dates and everything of, nope, this is what happened. The pipes burst. You know they fucking burst. You know you yourself came into that place. You know you knocked that hole in the wall. You could suck my ass, motherfucker. And he was just a nozzle. Couldn't have dogs. 
Oh, but this lady next to us, she got a dog because her family was rich and big in the community, and they wanted her to live there. So all of a sudden, she got a dog. She was the only fucking duplex in the whole place, the literal complex, the whole place. They have a screen door. We couldn't have a screen door. She got one. So it was it was a mess. And we're, we're learning things. This is the first place we've lived on our own, right? So we're learning. The world kind of sucks, and it's not fair. All right. Moving on. Change. We find this house uh, right downtown Madison, and it's a classic house. It's one of the older houses that's been there since, you know, before Sherman came through and burned everything and so on and so forth. And Madison's a city that he didn't burn down, blah, blah, blah. So we move into the house again, uh, kind of a good old boy system. Um, they had dogs inside their house. They literally lived next door to us. The owners of the house lived next door to the house they were renting out. That's important because every time we left the house or came to the house, there was that woman in the window just staring, and she wrote the local gossip column for the newspaper. I don't know if I ever made it, but I know she was fucking nosy as hell. They wouldn't let us put our dog in the house, even though it's hardwood floors, uh, even in the dead of winter when snow was on the ground. I know, I know it's Georgia, and it's not much snow, but it's still snow, and a dog doesn't deserve to be tied up in a pen in the snow for any reason or in that kind of cold weather. They would, but, 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 when he was remodeling his house, he let the contractors plug into my power because it's easier for them to access. So I put a lock on that door and told them to fuck off. You're not going to, you're not going to come and tell me you're going to kick me out of the house if I don't get the dog out of the house, even though it's fucking 32 degrees or 30 degrees outside. You're not going to be nosy about me and my wife coming and going and, and the friends I have over and. And ask questions of us about what we're doing when it's none of your motherfucking business. And then steal my power that has nothing to do with your house. I had to put that power in my name, and I had to pay for it. So, again, learning situation changed. You know, we spent a year there. We finally, in that time, though, in the time that we lived in this house, we worked on getting a loan. We worked on getting our own house. We finally found a lot we could build a house on. See, it wasn't just about me ranting and bitching. This is a point to it. We picked out from some generic house print uh, blueprint designs, right? We picked out the one we liked the best, and then we modified it. So while we didn't like design the house from the get-go, we definitely had a big hand in how this house was built. From this is pre-Wi-Fi days. From modifying how we went, you know, the bathroom closed in versus having a shower and a bath. So we said we hated that. We just wanted a larger bath, and then make the shower a closet thing. From saying no window in the bathroom, which we had to make them take out because they put in. They, the, the, it, I'm not going to go into the bitchiness. If you want to ask me a question about the process of building my house, that's a whole hour and a half show on its own. You can have that if you, if you write in and ask for it. Other than that, I ain't talking about it right now. <laughs> but there, there were issues. But we, uh, the good thing I did was when before they put sheetrock in, I went through and ran a, a network internally. You ran uh, uh, Cat Five cables, went and you know got a whole spool of Cat Five cable and crimped my my uh, ends on it. And had, I knew I was going to have the office upstairs, so I put a location there. Ran it down, put a location, uh, split location to my bedroom and to the where the TV would be, so there'd be internet both rooms there, and also to a ground floor office because I was going to have the band room upstairs and office downstairs. This is before kids. Uh, we had three bedrooms, two baths. And a, and a bonus room up above the garage. A nice-sized kitchen, sitting area, all that jazz. And so uh, the office for Aaron and I to share was downstairs, so there was a point there. 
uh, across from our bedroom. I made sure to have one upstairs for the band to have access to anything up there. So, I mean, I put we put love and care and energy into this house, uh, both physically and, and metaphorically. We lived there 10, no, yeah, 10, 12 years, somewhere in there. 2004, we moved out into 2013, so almost just about uh, 10, about nine and a half years, more or less. Now, interesting thing. Interesting thing. Well, fine, Laura, you be that way. You get on a stupid jet, even though you can't hear me. You'll listen to this later. <laughs> Here's an interesting thing about words. Because I keep telling my wife, stop, you need to change your words. I hate change. I don't like change. Stop focusing on the change. If you want things to stay the same, you need to start focusing on what you love. And I try to be nice about it, but that, that is part of it. But the other part is, too, change is inevitable. As people, as human beings, if we don't grow, well, I think I think humans are very close to sharks. Okay, physically, sharks, from what I understand, always move, even when they're sleeping. If they're not moving, they die. I think spiritually and emotionally and maturely, <laughs> I don't know, I made a word there. Uh, being, you know, growing up. If we're not always growing, always moving on something in our lives, moving towards something, if we're not energetically moving, which inflicts change constantly, if we're not doing that, then we're dying. So as a healthy human being, you have to be changing, even if it's little stuff. I've always liked change. I've always saw change as an adventure. Only throughout my adult years did I start learning that change could be a bad thing. It could be a very negative uh, connotation. You know, when my job changed, at first it was a good thing because I went home and then got to build on my podcasting empire. But then the next change came, and it was a very hard time for us where we lost the income. We went from sixty grand to, I mean, at one point, mathematically speaking, with the, the pickup jobs I was getting is $11,000 a year. Reality wise, is we were still we were trying to make the parachute last longer. And I was picking up contract gigs and, and until I could find what I was going to do, so on and so forth. Uh, some I uh, definitely had some uh, unemployment for a while, but anyway, changes you know changes change. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, sometimes it just is. So Aaron didn't want to leave that house until we had the, what we call the death house. The death house is everything we've learned that we wanted differently with our house. Everything as we've come through life and discovered. We watch the shows on Netflix about million-dollar homes, and we see, oh, I'd really like to do that in my house, those kind of things. You know, we make notes, and there was a book for a while. I'm not sure where the book went, but we were writing down everything. But right now we've got, like, a vision board. And the death house is the last house we want to live in, and that needs to be, like, next year. It'd be awesome if it's next year. Where we design it to where what we want, where uh, we'll have plenty of room for the kids to, as they grow up, to, of course, have their own space and live, but to then marry or, you know, have a, a live-in partner, whatever they choose to do in life. Uh, if they have kids, you know, have the room for them to come back and have places for everybody to visit and stay, those kind of things. Erin wants uh, her own room to be creative in, uh, those kind of things, to do her couponing and whatever else. Obviously, I want a full-on studio. Uh, this is a decent studio, but I want an air condition where it's silent, AC, keeps it a nice 68 degrees, I want the multiple, like the radio station where multiple people can sit around and, you know, those kind of things. So, you know, we have these visions of the ultimate house we want to have. And we call it the death house because the idea is to move in and even have it done 
to the point that that in case ambulances need to come in, we've designed the doorways to fit stretchers better and designed the layout of the house where you can get to stuff easily from different angles, uh, those kind of things. So that's the idea of the death house. So she, we built this house, this first house together, uh, she and I, and put ourselves into it, painted it ourselves. Uh, Sean went and drew amazing, cool stuff. There's pictures all over Facebook. I got to dig through all my pictures, but there's murals on the wall that he drew, and then we painted them. Uh, it took weeks, but you know we painted them in, and it was really cool. So uh, uh, Laura even talks about every three years she has to rearrange her living room because the longer I've lived, uh, the longest I've lived in, anyway since I was eight was three years at a time. Same house here for almost eight years, moving furniture away, way better than full packing. Absolutely. I do that when you're I believe to a point I, I say to a point because I don't understand the full tenets of feng shui, but I believe in the basics of feng shui, which is if something's off, I will rearrange my room until it feels better. Sometimes it's cleaning up the clutter. Sometimes it's moving furniture. You know, this table behind me, I call it my podcasting table. And when I can have a producer sit here at the desk and run all the, the tech of it all, that's where I'll sit. Uh, when Aaron and I was do, were doing uh, Irma Gerd, you know, we, we sat there for a long time now because it's a lot easier for me to put my hands on stuff close to the machines instead of trying to do everything wirelessly and strain my eyes. You know, we, we sit in our desks and do it uh, when we record, which we haven't recorded in a while, but that's honest. But, um, but yeah, yeah, you know, rearranging the furniture, changing things. I, I'm into that. I definitely do that. So... Um, so to not only not be moving towards a dream, which would make it hard for my wife to like that change. Okay, yeah, we're going to the new house, which has its own stresses, right? Because you know, no matter how you plan, no matter how meticulous you are behind the architect and the contractor and everything else, somebody's going to miss something. You're going to not think of something or forget or you know, something's going to wrong. Yeah, it's never going to be perfect. There's always a growth to it. But if... You do your best. You know, it'd still be a great situation to move into, but she would still be missing the house that we had all four children at. All four children were born into that house. The fact that it was the only house, and, and Oakland and Crosby were old enough to understand that concept. It was the only house they had ever known. I mean, they, there was no concept of ever truly living anywhere else. This was, this was the place. And to have it come in a negative way, that, that was a bad change. And I get that. But as humans, we have to change. We have to be moving. We have to be growing. If I was the same guy I was when I was 18 years old. Now, yes, parts of me are the same. Part, I still have some of the same sense of humor, right? I still have uh, some of the same energy and the go-getter. I still think I know everything and I'm right about everything. But a lot of me has also changed and, and refined and reformed those ideas and shaped those ideas. Because there, there was, uh, if you can find it, uh, Angie, you might even have some stored somewhere. I don't know. But if you can find it, there's still bear crawling shows out there that I know are somewhere. Somebody has them. You know, I, I was really, really bad about podcasting when I first started. Didn't back up jack shit. Uh, there's, a, there's a possibility. on. I've got two older hard drives. Uh, there's a possibility they might be on a hard drive somewhere. There's definitely a disc somewhere I saw pop up. That was me interviewing the Tortuga twins because that's what's written on the CD. Uh, so there's stuff, but you'll hear just some of the anger and the 
just the, the damage and the misconceptions of life. And, and you will hear, if you ever hear those episodes, you will hear the life's out to get me kind of energy and feel that I had sometimes. So we have to change. We have to grow. You will hear the stories. If it's still out there somewhere, somebody has it. I, I believe that. I mean, I believe it's backed up on an archive somewhere, maybe archives.com. I don't know how they do things if you have to submit it or whatever. Uh, I, I, I know the servers that originally had everything on are gone. They're not out there. But I imagine somebody somewhere has a copy. When my parents pushed my last button and I told them they, they would never see us again until they could treat me like a human being. And I, yeah, this was me and my wife and my two children at the time. Uh, three and two, something like that. Four and three. Um that i mean literally had that phone call in the car we were heading somewhere my wife the family we were heading somewhere when somehow that phone call came through on a cell phone i'm in the passenger seat and and i'm fighting with my dad and it's just stupid and ugly and painful and we got home and i called i can't remember if i texted you or called you but we turned around and got home because it ruined where we were going and i said get on the microphone shit went down and he didn't even know what i was talking about and I went upstairs, and for an hour and a half, I cried, and I raged, and I screamed into the microphone. And that was an episode of Bear Crawling. I mean, from every, just everything I was dealing with, everything I went through, all my thoughts on it, just everything, just vomited on the microphone, recorded it, and put it out as a show. Because I needed that. That was my therapy, was my microphone. Two years went by. My wife encouraged me. Knowing that I had grown and it changed, my wife acknowledged that I needed the time. She acknowledged that my choice was right for me. She still doesn't fully understand it because she has a whole different take on family. But she could see it did what it needed to do and encouraged me to reopen the door to a relationship, which I did. And at that point in time, I, I was just honest about everything. I was brutally honest. I was bear crawling honest. So I told him. What I thought, what I felt. Not necessarily like you did me wrong. Like, no, here's how this is going to go. I've grown. I've healed. I've dealt with a lot of things. I would like to try to have a relationship with you. I'd like for my kids to have a relationship with you. I'd like for you to have a relationship with them. But there's to be no religious talk around me for any reason. And if you want to know about me, I will tell you about me. But basically, I don't. I can't remember. I did not record that phone call, and it was a Skype call. I could have. It was in my studio at the time where I was then. And cause my dad actually asked me because he saw it wasn't this microphone. This is a little nicer, but it's a similar setup to where it's obviously a nice microphone. Uh, the way the studio was set, just like now you can see Cookie Monster behind me. But you could tell I had stuff going on. And he's like, "Well, what? What do you work for a radio station now? What is? What is?" And I I told him about podcasting, which, to my knowledge, I've never listened to a single show i've ever done okay change though why change sometimes that's a why change question right i've got my studio set the way it is the only time i ever change my studio is when a piece of equipment fails or i can upgrade to a better piece of equipment why change when it works? There is that. So change for the sake of change is maybe the wrong thing to do sometimes. I was talking about growing up and, and doing all that. 
there, there, I've told the story here about the choices I've made with Jeff Jacks and, and Lila and my, my wife. Okay, so my wife worked for this elderly lady named Lila. She worked with this doctor when uh, she was at the hospital. The doctor's name was uh, Elaine. And got to know the doctor pretty well, started babysitting for her. We got married. And even after uh, Aaron left the hospital, she stayed on good terms with the doctor and this and that. And her mother got to a point, the doctor's mother got to a point, her name was Lila. She got to the point where she needed some assistance. Not a lot. You know, she was still getting around uh, until, uh, you know, a certain point. But she got a leg injury and, and it didn't heal right. And there's some other stuff going on. And, yeah, <laughs> BC Dodge said that's the way those closest to us are. They never listen to our shows. <laughs> and, Nicole, you're right. A lot of people hate getting out of their comfort zone. And that that's a big thing on change. We'll talk about that in a minute. But when she was helping, you know, Lila do things, uh, she basically she spent a couple of years working for minimum wage-ish. I mean, it was nothing... It, she wasn't doing it for the money. The money was just to help offset any time I might have to take off or offset uh, the gas and those kind of things. Uh, but it wasn't a ton of money. She was doing it because she liked helping somebody with her life. I mean, my wife was always there to help others be awesome. So as life progresses, Lila got ill, got, you know, different things went on, and ultimately she passed away. And the funeral was on the same day I'd already pitched and sold this. Well, sold being a stupid word because I didn't get any money for it. But I had pushed this idea to the chef about doing a cooking show. Now, this is before YouTube really blew up. I mean, this was when if you got in then and really did good at what you're doing and stuck with it, this is when a few later, a few years later, you'd become the PewDiePie of the world or the Japsectic guy, or you only know the real, the ones that are gaming. But there's makeup ones. There's there's all kind of people who have made names for themselves on YouTube because they started and they just kept at it and did something on a good level from the get go. And this was that period of time. And so I taught the chef and the doing it. Not, I'm sorry. Basically, the short version is, my wife wanted to go to the funeral. My son needed to go to a soccer game. And I'm not, I'm not, Carl's here, so I can say this. Carl and I were talking the other day. Carl! He still hasn't found what he's looking for, Carl. <laughs> All right, I got to share that. I got to share that because I love that I did a human meme instantly. So uh, not that long ago, a month or so ago, Carl messaged me. He goes, hey, can you help me find something or, you know, whatever, or you're around. And it took me, I didn't see the message or I was busy or whatever, so it took me a minute. <laughs> Justin Bieber. And so I, I, well, I finally hit him back up, or well, about the time I was going to hit him up, he goes, never mind, I found it. And I instantly went, <laughs> that makes you better than Bono. Carl, Carl, because he still hasn't found what he's looking for. Carl. <laughs> and he's like, I hate you so much. <laughs> And I loved it so much. I still do. It, it, you know what, Carl? You might actually hear that at Dragon Con. I know I've told it a lot, but it just, it was a moment of genius. It, the timing was perfect, and only me and you saw it. And that crushes me. The only me and you got to experience that. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, Carl and I the other day were talking, and I had to explain to him, I was like, well, you know, not everybody thinks the way you do. So, here's what I've done to do. do, 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 do. But that's the thing. We don't, 
always realize people don't think the way we do. So when it came down to Lila and the, the funeral, I don't give two shits about funerals. I move on. Life is for the living. And my uncle, I was so proud of myself. I was. I, I still am, uh, Carl. But uh, uh, when my uncle died, I mourned for a day or so. I was sad for a, a few more days. And then we went up to his place and cleaned it out because that's what needed to be done. And I came home and moved on with my life. Because I, I, I just am different. I, everything I do is about the now and about living. And while, yeah, you'll be missed, I don't need a funeral. I, I definitely don't want to come to a party. You're fucking dead. I don't definitely want to see your dead body. I'd rather remember you the way you are or were or however, whatever. So that's why I told you the story about Carl not thinking that, oh, I see this a certain way and maybe not everybody sees it this way. Is that's exactly what I did when my wife started talking about the funeral. Like, okay, sure. Not thinking she's going to be a wreck. She needs somebody to be with her. I need to cancel my shit and either take my son to the game, which would help her out, or take her to the funeral, which would help her out even more. Never crossed my mind. I literally say, okay, your dad's going to take Oakland to the soccer thing. You're going to go through. I'm going to go over here to Loganville or where the hell I went and do this this YouTube thing. Okay, And she never said anything. Okay, sure, whatever. And she does her thing, and, and it, it was fine. The show we did was fine. It turns out the chef was fucking camera terrified and was never going to follow up with that. And just got, like people do, just got caught up in my enthusiasm and my ability to sell. And because and I'm right. Because if you are fucking who you say you are, and she wasn't, but if you are who you say you are, you're going to be this great entertainer. And you're going to do, and all you need is somebody to get you on the YouTube at the time. Or, or I think we were recording on stick cam and then putting on you, whatever, you know, doing a live show when nobody was doing live. And, and now you're going to, you're really going to build an audience. And you're going to make connections and you can, do your business the reality was she just got caught up in my enthusiasm that's one of the lessons i learned people get caught up in my enthusiasm because i can see many possibilities i'm a visionary i can see what's coming i can see johnny love you to death brother still pissed off you never went to american idol when it first came out still pissed off that you never went for american idol when it came out because god damn you could have you could have made it to the final not the final show i don't know but i think you easily could have made it to the top what is it, 20 that sing every week and people vote on them? Fuck yeah. Especially that first year. You're goddamn Kelly Clarkson for who she was then. You're definitely better than goddamn Daughtry. And, you know, oh, what the fly fuck all. Apparently, apparently my energy is more than just uh, contagious. It uh, knocks cameras down. So <laughs> I'll stop hitting the desk. So my see visions. So, yeah, uh, you man, you, you part of it was I was jealous because you always had the ability that I wanted. And I get that. But you made the, the choice for your life that turned out right. Right. You, you've got a great wife. You've got a great family. Uh, I think I think last time I talked to you, you've got a great job that you love. And everybody, everybody, everybody's giving me props for the mess ups. Like, hey, I didn't record. Thumbs up. Hey, I dropped the camera. Thumbs a billion times over. <laughs> And you can catch this if you're on the podcast. I do this live whenever I can do it. And it's on Facebook. So subscribe to facebook.com forward slash rock out of podcasting. It will let you know when I'm live. Uh, this happens to be a Thursday afternoon at 4 o'clock. So I, I don't know when I'll do it again. My point is, 
I always see where people can go, especially if they have talent and skill. My fault was, especially when I was talking about the stuff with Chef Jacks, is not seeing the reality of where they see themselves. Because well, I joke around being mad at you that you didn't go, Johnny, but there was a time I was, I was fucking furious that you didn't go because I knew I couldn't go. And really, I guess, honestly, I was mad. Uh, oh, that's a good question. Where can we hear you sing? Um, that's a really good question. I don't know where we can hear that. And honestly, dude, if you get up this way, uh, uh, yeah, if you get get up for like a weekend and I'm doing karaoke, you got to come do karaoke with me. And yeah, I host karaoke now, and I sing shit now for a living to a point. <laughs> well, see, at the time, he said I should have come down and kicked your ass. Now I could do that because I could do it in a way that it would kind of smack you a little bit, but it also empower you, and you'd feel a thousand. You'd be like, yeah, let's go do this, and we'd get in the the car and we drive to Atlanta and we do it. And you know what? If you want that the next time American Idol comes through, I'll try to do that for you. Drag your, if you're not too old. I don't know what the age cap is for American Idol because I know America's got talent. There's no age cap, but I think American Idol, you might be aged out. Uh, no. Now, here's the thing, Johnny, and this is what I love about Rock Got a Podcast and when we do it live. We can go in different directions. I'll keep coming back to change, and we've changed. And, Johnny, I don't want you to be honest. I want you to type in a room for everybody to see it. I want you to type into the room uh, how I was singing. You know, your your actual opinion on how I was at singing. Because I know I had a lot of dreams. I had a lot of visions. My mom had a little bit of mom gargles on and always tried to empower me to sing and shit. And I was a, I was an okay church singer at a point. But uh, there's one or two songs he and I could do together. But, uh, uh, yeah, we, we've all aged out of American Idol. But Johnny had that rock star thing. But I thought I was a rock star because I've always been the rock god, right? The Bee Gees, yeah, I'll tell that story in a minute. But I mean, your, your actual opinion on my, my singing ability. Um, here's the funny thing. I hated karaoke. I never wanted to do karaoke. And Johnny was living in Statesboro. I think you were at least dating your wife. You might have been married. There was, uh, I, man, I think we went out with Zoe. Then I'm not sure. But anyway, we came down for your birthday. We ended up going to this bar in Statesboro, and they were doing karaoke. And I always wanted to be in a band. And, of course, that was the time put up or shut up, right? You know, go sing some karaoke. And uh, I put in uh, two songs. I put in, I'm, uh, I forget, I'm on the outside. I'm on the outside. I'm looking in. You know, uh, for me and Johnny to do together. And, of course, I was going to be Fred Durst. He was going to be Aaron, uh, whatever Aaron's last name is. And they didn't want to do it, I guess, because everybody does it, because it was, it was one of those things. But I also put in Turn the Page of Metallica and got up there and just killed. I mean, Aaron Lewis. Singing. And from my perspective, just killed it. You know, I felt like I hit the notes. I felt like everything was good. The DJ possibly keyed it down for me and made it better. I don't know. Uh, but I, did, I was nervous as fuck on, and I did it. And I remember coming out to stage thinking, thinking I killed it. And he, Johnny says, you killed it. Uh, and, I mean, getting high fives from strangers. Now, hosting karaoke, there's a, I can see there's a, and this kind of might play in the change. I don't know where it's going, but, you know, we don't have to know where it's going. We just fucking tell stories sometimes. But I, I see now there's like a, a, a crowd mentality in karaoke, at least when I host, and definitely when this guy hosted, where everybody's there to have fun, right? Everybody was there to to encourage each other. And there's even some really bad singers that there was no key to find. And people were cheering them, and, and we're all drinking, right? We're all having beers and whatever and and having a blast. 
And I, that might have been that. Now that I think about it, that might have been one of my first tastes of what it's like to actually being around people who support you, not lie to you, not push you, not beat you down. They nobody cared who I was. And Liquid Courage actually it does bring a lot of bad stingers on stage, but actually, it, and Liquid Courage is what got me through it too. Uh, and I do say, you know, hey, if you get a song on your heart, but you're afraid to sing, we sell a whole lot of singing juice right there at the bar. You just go ask Eric for the singing juice. He will hook you up. <laughs> Nicole and the Blues Brothers have a mission from God. So my point is, here's what's funny. That song, Turn the Page, by the Metallica version of Turn the Page, I know it's Bob Seger, but the Metallica version, that's my go-to all the time for hosting karaoke. If people aren't singing and I have to kick it off, I still... I'm not super comfortable with that. I still prefer to uh, warm up with some alcohol a little bit, but I also like to warm up singing back up to the people who are singing. But I will I'll hit turn the page, and I'll just sell it. I'll just lean in and do it. And it tends to do really well. And that's a change. That is a change. So when I was doing the band thing, I mean, it, the rumor has it that uh, lead singer, Kurt Cobain, lead singer in Nirvana, had very bad anxiety. Right, he, he people made him anxious. Yet he was this lead singer of what turned out to be one of the most massive bands of the nineties. Well, definitely one of the most influential bands of the nineties for sure. And he had issues, is what the word. Is. And this is before internet. I haven't gone and watched any documentaries on it. And that's why I have to phrase it as word is because I don't know the truth. I don't know how it played out. But I definitely, for all my bluster and bravado, I always thought I was shit. But I always knew I had a, a movement to something, a calling to something, to be something better, to have that rock god in me to do bigger things. Um, and I've changed. You know, now, I mean, even then, I mean, Johnny had to talk me into singing karaoke that night. He, you know, he bought a bucket of beers and made me drink a number of them. My wife was encouraging me. You know, it took a lot of, of support to get up there. And now, as a DJ going into a place where nobody knows me, I literally did a sound check the other night. I just started a new karaoke gig and put up my speakers and everything, turned the monitor where I could take my wireless mic and walk around the bar. And nobody knew me, and I didn't even know if I was hitting all the notes because I was trying to focus on how does it sound in the room. And I'm walking around singing Turn the Page, doing it, and everybody's kind of looking at me weird. And I'm like, this is what I have to do because I've never worked this room you're not going to come and sing for me to go do this. And nobody asked me. This is all in my head. So that's how much I've changed to where I am not afraid to sing badly in front of people. Because I also do uh, uh, follow me, everything's all right. And every once in a while I can hear I'm not hitting that note. I just do it anyway. And I say, hey, you know what? If I was bad, and I know I didn't hit some of those notes. If I was bad, you know you can do better. I'm sober. You're not. Come on, have some fun. You know, those kind of things. Uh, I try anyway, blah, 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 blah. Changes happen. That was a good change. You know, I talked about why change. You know, why change when it's working? Because sometimes you just have to catch up, right? My wife, I had to drag her kicking and screaming into the Wi-Fi area. But once we did, and high speed, oh, my God, high speed internet, long before is anything more than six megabytes per second. You Now I'm getting like 115 down and 25 up. But, you know, high speed DSL hit, it was six megabytes down. 1.5 up and I had to drag her kicking and screaming into that because she didn't see a need for it and then once she saw the need she needed it Wi-Fi same way modern smartphones the same way I finally have her on iPhone I took her from a flip phone for way longer than she should have ever had a flip phone to 
a cheap little Android phone that was kind of trash to finally getting her on iPhone because she got apps and stuff that she needed to run, like her couponing and that kind of thing. So sometimes you change just because you have to catch up. Sometimes you don't change. My audio setup is where I like it. It's exactly how I like things. Uh, you know, my laptop for broadcasting sits off to this angle, and I can see that you know it's broadcasting fine, and the signal's good, and see what I look like on camera before it hits. You know, I've got a monitor in front of me so I can see your chat, and, and I mean, you're literally right over the camera, so I can look just past eye contact and read what's going on. Why change? It's working. It'll probably stay this way unless I need a bigger piece of equipment or something in here goes bad and I have to replace it, and you have to definitely figure some things out. But then there's the why change? Because if you don't change, you're going to die. Emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Sometimes we don't need to know why. Sometimes we just have to do. Another story. Johnny, I mean, it, this is just a great moment of you being here. You're bringing back a lot of stories that I never get to tell. In my mind, you're reminding me. And before I tell this story about Johnny and changing and not knowing why, I'll tell this story that he referenced. So I used to drive a Ford Ranger. Uh, this is my first vehicle that I paid for. And I went and picked it out myself, and I, I did everything myself. My parents co-signed. That's it. I paid for everything. And actually, Nicole, it's the Ford Ranger that Douglas was driving when he met you because when I bought my next truck years, years later, I just gave him that truck. And that was the Ranger that then went to your cousin, I think, your 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 brother, daddy, whatever he is. <laughs> Making fun of her being a redneck a little bit. Uh, no. So I am, uh, uh, and I was always a heavy guy, six foot six, six foot seven, um, easy 350. And Johnny at the time, I don't know what you weigh now. I think you're a lot skinnier now than when we were teenagers together. He's six foot four and good 300 pounds also. And so the two of us are in this little truck and we're squeezed in. And I love music. Twin, don't even bring up the Twin Towers. Do not. There's some shit in my past that can stay buried, my friend. We don't need to bring up every dumbass idea I had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know uh, your cousin whatever rolled it and told it, and he he turned out okay, and that's good. But Johnny and I are stuck in this truck, and I love music. And he had been away at wherever. I don't know maybe at Statesboro. I don't. This is in Athens. So I don't. I think it's when he came out to go to school in Athens or something. I don't remember, but. While he'd been gone, I the, the Bee Gees had come out with a new album. Love, love the Bee Gees. I am a huge fan of the Bee Gees and Barry Gibb specifically. Because uh, I do love the Bee Gees, but a lot of the shit from the oldies and even some of the new stuff, um, my heart will go on. Barry Gibb fucking wrote that shit, not Celine Dion. You know, she never claimed to write it. I'm just saying, she's the one saying everybody's, oh, yeah, my heart will go on. No, that's, that's the Bee Gees at its heart. That song is the Bee Gees. Uh, so... I just listened to the CD over and over and over and over again. And it was just, it was a constant in my truck. And here we are running down the road, shoulder to shoulder, stuck in this little truck. And I'm just kind of singing along uh, with this song. And it comes to the bridge, and he had no idea this was coming. And I, I just, did, I know I got the worst, shut up. And so <laughs> and it's singing, paying the price of love, um, my heart. I can't remember the exact words, but I was doing kind of the notes close. Because when you sing with somebody, you can usually find, if you're an okay ear, because I'm a great ear, you know, I am a great producer. I can hear shit other people don't hear. Where I lack in being a lead singer is while I have a great ear, I lack the ability that maybe I could have trained to get my voice to hit what I hear. 
But listening to like the radio or to the song, I can usually find a place that I'm good at in there. But as a lead, you know, doing it in karaoke, I've learned a couple of times like, hey, I do really good on that song. Let me put it on my Spotify karaoke practice list because I have a Spotify karaoke practice list. And let me listen to it and just sing it by myself and go, oh, no. Yeah, I can't do that because when I'm singing with somebody else, it's blending. But when I try to do the lead on it, I'm not hitting the, the notes right. So I'm singing along with the CD and he's like, just kind of jamming, we're chilling, we're riding down the road, and he comes, I got this vision in my head, you're in someone else's bed, and I'm throwing a part, I'm throwing a part inside. And louder than that, right? But I hit every fucking falsetto note, just did it with passion like I'm on the biggest stage in the world. He laughed so goddamn hard. He made me run off the road, because it's a little truck, and we're laughing, and he's just shaking. And we run off the road because... The truck just goes where our bodies go because it's like, what the fuck are you doing? I can't handle this. And that just became a thing for so long. I mean, tears, just tears in our eyes, just laughing so hard. I mean, that's right out there with the story of if you ever meet Douglas Spencer and uh, you're a fan of the Rock Out of Podcasting or you've just known me for a while, whatever, uh, ask him about, just go, go come up with a, a cup and go, here, hold this. And he might, he doesn't always tag things right in his brain and i'm gonna say it that way because i blame him because i remember if i say it to him he'll know but the idea was there's a story behind that as well with the here hold this and, and this yeah i mean we we dude we mostly had awesome times anybody spent time with me i mean nicole's here she was in a band with me for a very long time and is now married to douglas douglas has known me for 20 something 24 years going on so, uh, you know, we have great times. I'm an I'm an adventure kind of guy, and that's 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 never changed. To bring it back, see what I did? I brought it back to the topic of change. <laughs> uh, but the other story, the dark story with Johnny, was he was living with me when I was definitely not the best roommate, and I can I, I understand that, sir, and I apologize. Uh, but I had this studio apartment in my parents' garage. It was a finished garage, and I was living in there, and I talked him into moving up and living with me. I don't remember how or why I talked him into it, but he had he didn't for a while. You know, whatever happened, this and that, and the other. But at the end of it, I didn't want him to leave, man. He was my boy, and I was probably unbearable. I I was probably a very very shit roommate, um, and that's not necessarily why I saying. I'm sure it probably helped his decision. Going, you know, this guy's an asshole. I don't know if I can live with him. Yeah, I'm going to move. But there was something with his van. And he felt like he needed to go home, move back home, and let his stepdad work on his van. And I remember going, God damn, that's the wrong fucking thing to do, man. If you do that, you'll never get out of Statesboro. If you do that, you I mean, I was harsh on it because I, the vision I saw, right or wrong, the vision I saw. And I was like, fucking just stay here, fix it. You know, don't leave, basically, don't leave me. And, but I, I was put, I was an asshole. Well, life happens, right? And I knew. The, the truth part, true part of what I saw is I knew that we weren't going to have those times anymore, and we haven't. I went there for his wedding. You know, I, I blame Johnny for my 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 love of uh, Kermit the Frog color of green. <laughs> uh, I went for his bachelor party and his wedding and learned how to drink and and other things. Uh, <laughs> and I blame you, sir. I actually I thank you. Uh, and so anytime we were together, it is definitely an epic adventure. But um, it's probably been years since we've physically laid eyes on each other um, and hung out. And I didn't want to lose that. 
what I had no concept of at the time. Why change? This change is horrible. I'm going to lose you forever. Only if I believe that. Only if I believe that. Only if I refuse to keep your phone number will I lose you forever. Only if I refuse to connect with you on social media as it becomes a thing and grows. And, hey, look, we're talking now. Only if I choose to forget you will I lose you forever. And people live that way, and they'll resist change to hold on tight to the life that they have because they cannot conceive anything outside of this. And it's miserable. I mean, they even hurt doing it like that for that long. It's miserable. It's exhausting. It's strenuous. It's, it's, it is shit to live that way. But what happened was, even though he did go back to Statesboro, guess what? That's when he met his wife. Later, I mean, it wasn't like instantly, but that's where he met his wife. That's where he built the family that he loves. That's where he got the life that he loves. And I'll ask you, honestly, sir, to put in the chat room. Okay, if you're thinking about leaving your wife, do not put that in the chat room. But since I believe that you love your life and your wife, you're going to put an honest answer of, do you regret ever going back? Because from the standpoint where I'm sitting, I don't see how you can. Because it seems like you got the life that you loved and you wanted. And while we lost that sitting in the truck singing together for the rest of our lives stuff, we gained many other beautiful things in our life. And that's, that's, the, that's the change without knowing why story. That's what I wanted you to hear there is he was changing. And all I could go is, why, why? Because I don't know. It's just the right thing to do. I, you know, I just, I have to, man. Sorry. And I just fucking hated him for it. And I fucking hated myself for it. And I, I just felt like I was losing the thing I had in life. And the reality was, obviously, I didn't. He's even here today and in, in chatting and listening. And, and he says sometimes you have to make the sacrifice. Johnny says sometimes you have to make the sacrifices to make gains. Sometimes you have to make the sacrifice without knowing what's next. And that's what he did. He didn't know that he was going to meet his wife. He didn't know he's going to get a really great job. Here's an interesting thing about Johnny. I mean, I've never met anybody that does, did this, that had it work. Johnny is so goddamn good at every. I fucking hate you sometimes, man. You're so goddamn good at everything you do. And, and the reason I don't actually hate you is I've finally dealt with a lot of my issues. I've dealt with a lot of my damage. And I understand I'm actually fucking awesome at everything I do, too. And we can all be awesome together. But he, I won't go through the companies he's with, but he worked for this company doing this manufacturing thing and worked his way up. And ended up quitting. And if I get it out of order, I get it out of order. It's not that big deal. But basically, he worked for this great company. They loved him. He did well. He goes, you know what? I'm going to kind of go over here and do this different thing. And he went to this other company. And went, it was fast food-ish. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you know. I just don't care to say the company name. Because uh, they don't sponsor me. And if they want me to say their name, they need to fucking sponsor my shit. Uh, <laughs> but it's fast food. But instead of just being a low-level fast food, he worked his way up very quickly to become really high up and do really well there. He started his own company. That was a great idea and did some great things that ultimately, unfortunately, for at the time, whoever knew, nobody knows why it just didn't work. Maybe now looking back, he knows, oh, it got me to this place or did this for me or whatever. It unfortunately went under. Did he tank? No. Somehow he worked his way back to the other company at a high level, then ultimately went back to the manufacturing company at a high level, and he's like, I'm the boss. I'm like, how the fuck did you do that? Because I burn bridges. Because I move forward. 
I don't always burn bridges. There's plenty of places I've left that they would love to have me back. That I'm just like, Mm-mm. can't do it, man. Never gonna happen. But I'm the shark that always moves forward. That's always doing something different. He's the shark that said, no, nah, this is my territory. This is where I'm staying, and I'm good at that. And by no means, I'm not, I, it's definitely not a perfect life. I know he's dealt with some shit, uh, both health and financial. God damn. I mean, I don't make light of the of the company that went under, but I see that he came out like a fucking boss from it. But I can tell you from losing my house and going through bankruptcy, I'm not sure exactly what he went through, but the fact that he had a he had his own business and it, it didn't work, that's that's gotta hurt. But he carried it, he dealt with it, and he moved forward. Change happens. You know we had the bumper sticker from Forrest Gump? <laughs> and I will always credit that man for creating it. I don't give a shit who actually came up with it. Forrest Gump's the man that said shit happens. And we had the bumper sticker. The change happens. Resistance is futile. Because what uh, uh, Barry Shuttle, I think his name was, was a youth pastor, is the first person I ever heard say this. I know it's a saying that's out in the world, but he's the first person I heard said it. The only constant that remains the same is change. So the only thing that we ever have that is the same in our lives is the fact that it changes all the time. I know that it would be a much better world for my wife right now if her mom was still alive. I know I would have loved my kids to have met my grandfather, Mac, and my uncle. Both of them obviously passed away. Uh, well, Mac passed away long before my kids were born. My uncle passed away. Mark passed away. Uh, my kids were alive, but we just never had the opportunity for... I think we did a Skype call. We did a couple Skype calls. So they got to see him on the computer and talk to him, and he got to see them. And and he, he had... Uh, I always get the disease mixed up. I think it's cerebral palsy. I see the cerebral palsy. No. Cerebral, cerebral, that's the same thing. It's uh, muscular sclerosis or cerebral palsy. Um, one's a young person killer, and that's what you know. My brother James died from. Uh, truly, Douglas's brother, but we it, it's a thing. It's a story, and it doesn't relate to anything to do with change. So I don't feel like telling it right now. Um, and the other one, so one is the young person killer. The other one is a degenerative muscle disease that happens later in life. And so my uncle had that, so he couldn't really speak super clearly. It was hard to understand him over Skype and cheap microphones. But the kids did get to interact with him that way, but they never got to know him like I knew him. And, yeah, I'd love a perfect world where they could learn from him and hang out and see the man that I had known. And I know as much as, as stuff happened in life, some changes are tough. And we're still reeling from the punches of my mother-in-law passing away. Um, just just with what has to happen in changing and just with family stuff. And just the fact that my wife lost her mother. And that's still an important thing to her. And it will be. I mean, it never should not be. But I'm a different person where my uncle died. I got a phone call. I cried like twice, maybe three times uh, that night. And I was done, and I was sad for the rest of the time. So when I say mourning, I mean, there was a grief. I mean, there was a, I experienced a loss in this universe, this known universe. The way I see the end of life, you know, 
that could be a good show. But the basics are, I definitely believe in, in universalism and, and uh, universal reconciliation is the term. And I think that it, it, we'll, we can get into that in another show. If you'd like to hear about that, email me, bearcrong at gmail.com or, or rgop at charlesmcfall.com or Facebook message or in the other millions of ways you can reach me. Let me know what you'd like to hear about on the show. In business, if you don't change, you lose. Right? And we see that a lot. God, you know, I just had Comcast in my house yesterday because lightning or something came through and fried my modem. And it was being weird. And I got to talk to the tech. And every, once a month, a reseller for AT&T comes through my neighborhood. And if you've known me for any length of time, you know AT&T is my enemy. I, I, they will always be my enemy. If you work for them, I apologize. You personally are not my enemy, but you work for my enemy. Uh, and I'll be more than happy to share the in-depth story about why AT&T will ultimately die as a business. And they can go fuck themselves. I will never say anything kind about them. And I will never have their service, ever. But I try to do that in a nice way when these resellers come through. And sometimes they don't listen or whatever. And so I play the game. Okay, here's what I do. I do broadcasts and podcasts and live video and all kind of internet media from my basement. So the up speed is the number one factor for me, period, in the story. Down speed's fine. Was, well, you know, well, we're giving you the dedicated love. Fuck, no, it's not. Uh, you know, Comcast. Nope, Comcast has never failed me. Not once. I speed test all the time. There are some podcasters who are obsessed with their numbers, and they go check, see how many downloads they have on the show every time. There's some Facebook broadcasters that go and have to see how many views their video got and this and that and the other. And, and by God, there's only four of you fucking watching. Hit the goddamn share button, assholes. <laughs> but I've never been obsessed with any of that. I am a little bit obsessed with how fast my speed is and how well it's maintained. You know, can I test today at this time and it's good and tomorrow at a different time and it's bad? And with Comcast in my neighborhood, it's always been good. I always get more speed than I pay for. I paid for 105 and because we put in a new modem last night, I checked every computer everywhere and every different connection. I'm getting 120 down. I pay for 105. I pay for 20 up and I'm getting almost 30. But I tell them every single time, one, you will never ever sell me or the people who listen to me by bashing your competition well you know comcast is shared with everybody and as soon as your neighbors get on it right no you want to sell me on your product tell me how great it is and why it will solve a problem maybe i didn't even know i had do that but they can't because i hit them right out the door with i do upload what's your upload speed you will not match it i fucking check that shit all the time you will not. AT&T doesn't believe in uploads. They think you could suck it is what they think. They don't give you upload speeds, period. I am not kidding. So I'll finish the story. So I was telling the Comcast guy, because he was talking about how he didn't understand how certain people reacted, and we were just kind of bonding over, fuck the world, we like Comcast, right? <laughs> and I'm not saying they have the best customer service. I've had a good experience with Comcast customer service. I do understand they're a corporation, and they're big, and you might get somebody who treats you badly. Yeah, whatever, it's fine. On the East Coast, Verizon is my cell phone carrier. I have had them since before my first son was born, and probably wouldn't leave them for shit. To be honest, because they have bent over backwards every time I've asked them to to help me out. They have gone, Verizon has gone to distance to the point that they got new plans that would save me money. They say, hey, 
Awesome, Terry. Terry's got him a Tyranitar. Good on you, man. Uh, I don't, so screw you too. But hey, uh, but uh, Verizon has actually contacted me and said, hey, we've got this plan that will give you more stuff, more data, more phone, more internet, whatever, for less money. Yes! By all means, let's do that. So I love Verizon. I got a friend on the West Coast who was dealing with Fios, and he, he uh, was did the chat and copied everything in writing, and, and that Verizon person was double speaking. Hey, Phil Ramos, glad you are here, man. Um, God, yeah. God, the bear calling show when AT&T fucked me. It was, it was, it was, it was bad. Um, my point is, I always tell them up front, I get these speeds. You will not match. AT doesn't, AT&T doesn't believe in the speeds that I have. And if they get close, they'll charge me way too much money. I'm paying, I think, 60 bucks, less than 60 bucks a month for my internet. And I've already told the speeds a couple of times, talking here. Well, AT&T will come into the house, and sure enough, the guy tried, and the best they could do was half my download speed. You know, so instead of 105 down, I was getting 50 to 75, so not quite half, but I could have up to 75 down, which is not available in my area, but we're going to tell you about it anyway. So I get 50 down. So you want me to half my speed? Oh, and the upload goes from 30 to 6. And you, wait, 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 what's the cost? Oh, the cost is almost $100? This is why you're going to lose forever. And AT&T has not understood you have to change to live. The world today is not about, we're the corporation. We're going to tell you how our business runs. Comcast got in trouble for that. Comcast, absolutely. I talked about it at length on Chaos and Coffee, in the first generation of that show I did. I talked about it at length on the Bear Crawling Show when it was Bear Crawling Nation, and we're dealing with all cool stuff. Comcast absolutely try to do, we're the corporation. We decide how you use our product. And they, they got taken to court and lost because they were throttling bandwidth. They were bottlenecking things. They were blocking sites that were their competitors, right? So if you want to go to Comcast, everything's fast and smooth. You can go to AT&T.net, slow. And they didn't like that, hey, maybe you're a streamer from home. Now, of course, it was in the days before huge YouTube stuff going on. But people would still upload and, and, try to, and they would throttle. They would throttle. Even when I first got them, they put a data cap on. And I hit that data cap. And I had to talk to them about how to get away from that data cap because I do my business online. And very shortly after that, they were already, is already in the works. It's not like I influenced anything. But very shortly after that, Comcast actually changed from a data cap from a small one, which everybody had this tiny data cap. I'm like, that's not feasible for today, today's age. You know, where my kids have tablets and they're watching PBS Kids and I have Netflix and Hulu. And I'm also... Facebooking and I'm uploading and I'm I'm listening to podcasts and I'm doing broadcast. Three hundred megabytes is fucking retarded. Well, they had an unlimited plan that I paid somewhat extra for. But I knew that's what I needed, so I play. I paid for that. Very uh, maybe six months into the unlimited plan, they came out with a terabyte cap, which is very reasonable. Very reasonable. I never hit that, and it's cheaper than the unlimited plan. So I dropped down. I, I am a super user. I understand that. I use. I'm in the top 1% of users for data in Comcast. Now, I get that because I run a business, a digital media business for my home. And I've got four kids who love to play their games on their tablets and, and watch their YouTube videos and all that other shit. 
Now, I get that we're not the nine-to-five family that during the day nothing's downloading. And then at night they watch some TV and maybe uh, Bobby is over there on the tablet doing homework. And now, yeah, I'm in the 1%. I will pay for it at school. Um, yeah, they have a link, but I don't think bearcrawling.com works for anything. I think it actually redirects to charlesmcfall.com, Nicole, uh, perhaps. But two, uh, by the way, a little quick plug, 2G1B, two guys on brain. They don't really do their shows anymore, but there's – just gold, just tons of gold there. And I'm all over that show, too, uh, show up. So uh, anyway, my point about changing, I want to get to the, what Carl here is saying, something about AT&T. My point is Comcast changed. They realized, hey, if we want customers, what we got to do is give them what they want and be where they are and be ahead of where they are. And while they were already working on fiber, Google announced and came to Atlanta first. That sped up their timeline, but Comcast was already working on that one gig. Speeds, download, those kind of stuff. So they're showing their head again. We're AT&T still to this day. In your area, we only have available 50 megs down, and that'll give you 1.5 megs up. Then get the fuck off of my yard. Get off of my porch, you know. Uh, it's, it's, it's so dumb. I, I could go on and on. I feel like I'm going to slide to this negative connotation, uh, this rant there. Uh Really? All right, I'm going to check this. I'm going to check a link mid-show just to see where this, this thing goes. Uh, uh, BC Dodge says, in my master's program, we spent a month on how they keep messing up since the days of Telegraph. Do you know how many laws are on the books due to AT&T? I know. No, I don't actually know how many laws are on the books due to AT&T, but I, I do know Monopoly, Bell, uh, Ma, Ma Bell is the reason there was multiple phone companies. AT&T was what Ma Bell became. Pacific Bell, and it was something else. I used to know all that stuff. Uh, no, AT&T is the shit of the business. It really, really is the shit of the business. And they will not change. If you don't change, you will die. That's the problem. When you call customer service, they treat you like shit. That's because of the head of customer service. That's because their boss is shit. That's because they're part of shit. I've ranted. I, I had another old friend, Brad Willis. Uh, blind Mon- BlindMonkeyNetwork.com. He does a nice hobby podcast over there. Has fun with it. Uh, I knew him. I, Johnny, you remember Brad? You knew Brad. Me, you, and Brad used to hang out. So, yeah, I was on a show the other day. We talked about Batman. It was fucking awesome. Anyway, uh, Brad did his research on me, and we, we recently reconnected and caught up, and we'd lost touch for a long time and this and that and the other. And I, we were talking to him. I was like, where do you work, man? What do you do? And he just laughed. He goes, well, I've listened to the Rock Out of Podcasting stuff, so I know you're going to hate it, but I work for Walmart. <laughs> and I just had the biggest belly laugh. Like, well, if you heard it, you know I'm not wrong, but you know also I'm not mad at you for that. Uh, and, 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 you know, that's the thing. It, it, without going any further into that story, uh, it's just proof that no matter how good you are, if your bosses, if the bosses' bosses, if the leaders of the company are shit and they treat people like shit, it'll be bad. And that has to change. And the last part of change I want to talk about before I get out of here, and for Phil and Johnny, or for Phil and, and people who've come in late, um, lots of great stuff about change. About uh, Some change is bad. Change for change's sake is definitely bad. Uh, some, some things can stay the same. This has been this way for 20 years. Well, why change? It's working. It's working. It's good. Now, if you can come up with a why, like, oh, if you change it, these few, if you change these few things, all of a sudden, instead of making a million a year, you'll make $10 million a year. 
Well, that should be a goddamn good enough reason to change. Uh, but definitely change for change shake. <laughs> Scott's kicking a little bit. Change for change's sake is definitely bad. And you've heard all the other stuff. So the, I want to talk about shit. Where was that going? Changing the conversation. That's where I was going. That's the heart of who I am is communication. And I'm so tired. And and Johnny, Johnny, feel free to share a, a couple line stories. You know, post up what you remember of it, whatever. Uh, if you want, here on Facebook. Um, I used to be a huge arguer, right? I used to be the guy that had to convince you that my way was right. Uh, for shits, for shit's sake. I remember, this was pre-Johnny, but I remember, no, maybe it wasn't. It's in Tifton. Do you remember Jeff Fowler, Johnny? Uh, old Jeff. I remember he and I used to get in the stupidest arguments. The stupidest arguments. And I mean, be, so here's, here's, uh, uh, I did not have any arguments with trees as <laughs> I never did that. Uh, but I came close. I'm sure I actually came close. Uh, so yeah. Okay. So this was in your time. Um, and you may have even been a part of this conversation. I don't remember, but it was a stupid philosophical, philosophical thing. I'm not sure what the point of it was, but it's like, okay, you're in a van and a van is going 60 miles down uh, an hour down the road and a flies in the van. And a fly flies from the front of the back of the van to the front of the van. Is it going 60 miles an hour? And my logic stands today. Yeah, it depends on your perspective. And I think it pretty much said it depends on your perspective. Oh, my God. Yes, I remember the Coke Pepsi question. That was so stupid. I'll tell that story to you in a second. Uh, but it, was just, it turned into this, this argument, and you had to argue because the other person was arguing against you. It didn't matter what, what was real or what mattered. None of it mattered. And that's what I'm trying to teach my kids when they start arguing bullshit. I'm all for a well-thought-out argument and changing the course of a conversation and influencing things. But the first thing I ask my kids, does it matter? Will you die? Will they die? Then shut the fuck up. Because kids are kids, right? They do that. They argue about the stupidest things. Even today, Zoe is four. My Zoe is four. And I was teasing her. She didn't go to soccer camp today. Or she asked me what time it is. She's in that phase where she asked what time it is. And I tell her, I'm like, wow, you going to be late for work? I don't have a job. I'm like, then why do you need to know? I don't have a job. Then why do you need to know the time? I don't have a job. See, she wasn't listening. I was actually asking. I was messing with her. But I did it on purpose over and over. And she finally did. She finally went, I don't know. I just want to. It's like, yeah, see, you were thinking I was going to give you grief about not having a job and play with you. But I was asking you a question. Once she heard the question, she changed and gave the answer. That's kids. Right, they think you're gonna go, and that's humans. That's just humans. You, you're gonna go in a certain direction. And it's gonna be this way, and and so I've been teaching my kids. It doesn't matter when it comes to politics, and I see things. And I actually had this conversation with Pop Class the other night. All the bullshit about politics that are, that's out there right now is literally one side telling the other side they're wrong, and it goes both ways. There, and that's it. There's no communication. There's no conversation. It is I'm right, you're wrong. That can never be a conversation. So what do we do? We wait four years and we elect somebody different because they're going to change. Nothing has changed in politics since World War II. And maybe even before that. It's always been about the power, about keeping control of things. 
you know, uh, I lived through the Reagan era, but I was a child. My parents loved Reagan. My uncle hated him. I don't know what I would have thought had I been an adult in that time. History books go to the victor, so don't even quote me. Well, history books say, did it? no, I can show you history books that say he was great, and then I'll show you history books that say his plans don't work. Depends on who's fucking writing the book and who's behind it, you know. So change the conversation. When you find that you want to change the world and when you want to do something better, why? this is why exactly I, why I'd never vote in an election. It doesn't change shit. It's the same thing over and over and over again. We actually just had a runoff in Atlanta with an older established female uh, in the government running for office, and her competition, and she's Republican, her competition was a Democrat. Uh, he was young and vibrant, and, and his ads made sense until you ask one question. And the ads basically were, you know, Karen Handles, uh, she, she spent this money doing this and this money doing that. This money. And I think that you should have a right to have the money spent the way you think it should be spent. And so I, my, I'm going to go to Washington. I don't know. Cut out all this bullshit spending. And we're going to change how finances are done. And the one question you have to ask to any new person, whether it's Karen Handel or John Ossoff, Handel being the Republican and uh, not old, but established. She'd been in politics for a long time, held many many offices, had a rec- uh, record that she could point back, I did this, this, and this. John Ossoff was a young guy, and again, and he, yeah, he did. Uh, but again, too, did you hear her commercials, though, Johnny? God damn. Oh, he made videos of, of Star Wars in his dorm room. And who gives a flying fuck? That has nothing to do with what he's going to do in Congress or not do in Congress. It doesn't matter that he did videos in Star Wars. Uh, my point is, my point is, the conversation stays the same. It's always, I'm right, they're wrong. And his thing was, it made sense. You know what? We shouldn't be spending money on bullshit. We should spend it on what you need, what was supposed to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Here's one question, though, for you. As a rookie senator, congressman, whatever the fuck he was going to be, if you want, as a rookie, how much power do you think you're actually going to have to go in and, and influence a hundred some odd people to see it your way? Who's been doing this a hell of a long longer than you have? Yeah, moving on. But here's what did happen. I changed my view. The, uh, going back to the the gas prices under Bush. And everybody's like, oh, George Bush is horrible. We're going to elect somebody else. Gas prices came down for multiple reasons, and possibly because we got an oil man out of office. That could be a part of it. But instead of going, fuck the president, he's fucking me in the ass with the the $4 a gallon. That was in Georgia. It got higher than that in other states. But $4 and something cents a gallon in Georgia. Uh, I was like, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to control my life and change the conversation on my end. And I went and got a motorcycle. And instead of going, filling up my car for $40 a week, I filled up my motorcycle for $16 a week, twice a week. I changed my conversation. And that's what we have to change the most. When we're finding that we're getting angry, maybe we should stop talking about or dealing with what we're dealing with and take a second. When we find this is a, a principle I've been teaching my kid lately, and it comes from somebody else who's smarter than me and, and wrote fucking books and sold shit that I've never done. Um, it's if everything around you is saying the same thing, then it's you. And I know it might have been the love languages. It might have been another dating author that Success Reeks talked to. But it was if you, if you, to the guys out there, if you date a girl 
who I, and this is an example I use for my son. He had a dance, his first dance last year, the year before, and he asked this girl. She said yes, and of course he's all excited. He does the whole corsage thing, and and he's a, he wants to be the gentleman that he sees on TV. He wants to be that guy. He's a romantic. He's like me. I was a romantic guy. I watched Sixteen Candles and thought the best friend got the girl. The best friend never gets the girl. Okay. I watched 16 Candles, Say Anything, Can't Hardly Wait, which is not in the same venue, but I still go watch Can't Hardly I got to go watch Can't Hardly Wait again because I've been thinking about it a lot lately. That's a whole different thing. But the whole idea of the best friend gets the girl, the romantic. He's a romantic. And he bought a corsage for the girl. She's like, I'm not putting that on. Okay. He didn't know what to do. That's all right. I wasn't there. Uh, my wife was there and she, she held it in. She didn't get all mama on her. Uh, the girl would not let him open the door for her. He came out and said she wouldn't, didn't really want to dance. And, and it's, it's, it was in fifth grade. I don't think it was last year, so it had to be fifth grade. So, you know, it's, it's the, the boys in one side girls. But he's like, I'm going to go dance, and I'm going to go ask the girl that I brought to dance. And she didn't give two shits. So I use that as an example. So, okay, Oakland, let's say you were older and you're dating her, and you got tired of her bullshit and you dumped her. And then you start dating another girl. And within any period of time, she's doing the same thing. She doesn't want you to open the door. She doesn't really want to. She doesn't treat you with respect. She doesn't want to do what you want to do. You dump her again. Dump a different one. Third girl, same thing. She's mean. She's ugly. It's whose fault is that? He's, oh, that would be my fault. I'm like, exactly. That's what we're trying to. We had to come to Jesus meeting with all the kids the other day at lunch and and life is changing in our house because we realize we failed as parents and they're slightly entitled and slightly spoiled. And yes, Angie, he is a really sweet kid. And yes, I will f- be the first to tell you, my kids are fucking awesome. My kids, for the most part, and it might hurt your feelings, but it's true, they can run circles around your kids. They can. My kids, my two older ones, can fucking run a sound, set up a live gig and run a sound system. Can yours? Just saying. <laughs> I take them to all my, a lot of my professional shit and I teach them like adults. My kids are awesome, but at the same time, they can treat each other with such disrespect and such shit. They can be quick to snap off. And, yeah, they get a lot of that. I see a lot of what they do in me, and I'm working on that myself. So I had to come to Jesus' meeting and say, okay, we've used our words and said, this is what we want. We want you, speaking specifically to Oakland, we want you to instead of saying, snapping off and going, hey, this is what it's doing, instantly, how about you work on your tone of voice? I've I've told them that a million times. How about you stop before you say something to somebody, think about how it's going to sound, and work really hard on saying, hey, would you stop doing that? Dad said you're not supposed to do that. And he won't do it. And some shit went down the other day with all the kids, and they lost their tablets. They lost the Xbox. They lost the TV. And it did actually, then the Internet went out, so they lost it for longer than maybe intended. But the point is, what my wife said to him then is like when everybody is telling you you're mean, when your dad, when I am, when your brothers and sisters are telling you you're being mean, it's because you're being mean. And it's too easy to get in your head, in your own head, and think, eh, they just don't understand. I'm not being mean. They're being an asshole. But when it's everybody, then it's you. But guess what? The all you can do is change yourself. This is something I actually discovered long before I read any motivational books or listened to motivational anything. Was I realized on my own, which just honestly to me speaks volumes about where I was supposed to go in life, being self-aware and figuring things out. I was talking to a teenager. I was 20-something working with a youth group. And this teenager was just bitching about his mom didn't get him and his sisters were this and that. And I was like, okay. 
who 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 do you have the power to change? And you try some bullshit on me. It's like, okay, can you really make your sister stop doing blah blah blah? Or can you make your mom? Well, no. Who do you have the power to change? You. You only have the power to change you. That can mean getting out of a situation to get to a better one. That can mean going, this is to me, not to my son or to you, the listener. This is to me. Hey, when your wife says out of the blue, man, you're kind of grumpy today. Maybe you're fucking grumpy and just didn't realize it. And I told that to my kid. That's been happening somewhat lately, both ways. You know, I'll tell my wife she's grumpy and she'll back off and same word. But there was a time and a point of like, I'm not grumpy. They're fucking this and blah, blah, that and blah, 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 blah. Well, what I've learned to do is, and especially when I'm disciplining the kids, if I'm yelling at them, she'll stay out of it. So if she gets involved, maybe I'm going too far. Maybe I'm being too hard. Maybe it's going to escalate to a point it didn't need to go, so she stepped in. And I've realized instead of stay the fuck out of it, woman, this is for me to handle, I, which I've done in the past, and that's a bad thing to do. I've realized, hey, she got involved when normally she doesn't. Maybe I'm going to a bad place. I'm going to back off and let her tag in and handle some things. Now, when she's like, you're being grumpy, literally, it happened probably a week ago, maybe two weeks ago. I was going around. I just thought I was kind of tired, but I thought I thought the way my voice sounds now in my headphones, I thought this is how I was talking. Apparently, that's not how I was talking. Apparently, I was coming off as, and my wife's like, you're kind of grumpy today. I'm like, really? Because I didn't think I was, but okay. And I, I took that to heart, and I went, all right, I'm going to keep being who I am right now, but realize that it's not coming across the way I think it should, so I'm going to shut up more. I'm going to try to be more patient. I'm going to work on things. Change the conversation. Parents, you don't want your kid to get pregnant or get your, your kid to get somebody pregnant? Harping on them about how sex brings babies and making it an ugly, horrible thing is the worst thing to do. I please, I definitely want to, maybe I'll just do it randomly next week. I don't know. I want to do the sex talk show. I really do. Because I talk to my kids. I started talking to my children when they were six and five at their oldest about sex. The basics of it. My son is 12. My daughter will be 11 this year. And they've heard a whole lot more detail about it. And I didn't lie. I didn't hide anything. I'll go ahead and give you a teaser. I'd start off with, oh, sex is the best goddamn thing you'll ever do in your life. It is fucking awesome. But let me tell you why you really want to wait. And why you really want to do it with uh, the thing. And thank you. See, there you go. Phil, Phil says, just do the sex talk. So now, if I remember, because things can happen between now and the next time I record, if I remember, I'll do the sex talk. Because I, it, it's unique. It's awkward. It's, but it's, it's real. And it's true. And it's honest. And hopefully, and that's all I can say is hopefully, it will influence my children to take a better path. Chicken and bees. I don't know how you did that sex talk with chicken. And, uh, bees have to do with pollinating and chicken come from eggs. I, I, I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, my point is, I don't want my children on drugs. So I explain what drugs do to your body. My children see me drink occasionally. I drink very responsibly. I don't drink very often. All of my children know that's daddy beer. That's a uh, that's a daddy drink. My son has tasted beer. Uh, I think everybody, not the youngest ones, but the older ones have tasted wine. They've been around their aunts and uncles or whatever. All kids, you know, at some point you get that, whatever. Um, 
by explaining to them, here's why you wait with alcohol, with drugs. I personally think weed should be legalized. I think there's lots of great to it. I think Colorado is a goddamn living proof that legalizing weed changes the conversation. Because guess what? They have a tax surplus. Oh, what? Not a deficit, a surplus. And um, crime dropped. Okay, statistically, crime dropped because you stopped arresting people for pot. That will make a crime drop. But So I don't know, and realistically, how much crime changed. Statistically, it plummeted because you stopped arresting people for bullshit. With that being said, the conversation I've had with my son about drugs is, I think it's fine. But here's why you don't do it until you're 2021, 20, because physically your brain is growing, your body's changing, and you can fuck some shit up. Why you don't drink alcohol? You can fuck some shit up. It can damage you because you're still changing. Let your body get to a place where it can handle it and then do it responsibly. And I'll do it with you. I look forward to the day I get to go drinking with my kids. I look forward because some of my best conversations are sitting around a fire pit with fucking alcohol in my hand. With the adults that I know, and God damn, I look forward to the day that I have deep, intellectual, spiritual, universal conversations with my kids because we're sitting around the fire as adults, enjoying whatever we want to enjoy, and we're just connecting. And I do that now without the alcohol. I mean, we definitely have conversations. Change the conversation. Don't get involved with politics because politics don't contain shit. What I do is influence everybody I can influence around me, I, I work on what I can work on. And when I run a business, if I ever own a restaurant, which is a good chance I never will, if I ever own a restaurant, guess what? I'm not required by law to pay you under minimum wage as a waitress. I can get a lot away with it. I can hire you for two something, 250 bullshit dollars an hour and hope you get tips and treat you like shit and make you work horrible hours legally. But guess what I'm going to do if I own a restaurant? You're getting at least minimum wage. Because if I want you to do a goddamn great job, I'm going to give you the best I can afford to give you. And then if you make tips, man, that should just make you do a better job. So go home knowing that you're going to earn three to $400 this week or whatever minimum wage gets you in 40 hours. I'm not going to do the calculations and not always just work 40 hours. But, you know, 20, you know, let's just say $400. But no. That that check will come, but also know that maybe you went a, went away with a hundred dollars in tips in your pocket every fucking night you worked, because now you're not worried about paying for your family. You're not worried about the thing that I think about. I don't get paid enough for this bullshit, and you have so much incentive to get over your bad day. And yeah, this this asshole was an asshole to you at your table. And they didn't tip you, and they were dicks and left you a huge mess. But guess what? You're going to get past that, and you're going to do a, be- a good job because the next person could tip you. And no matter what, even if you don't get tipped, you know you're going to get that paycheck at the end of the day. And that's going to help you. Do the right thing. So that's my conversation on change. That's probably part one. Because as questions come up, that's going to it'll play in. I don't know if there will be an official part two. Uh on that, we've done one part one and part two. Value for value had part one and part two. There was a, sec- a follow up question, so I did a part two on that. Uh, change is life. If you're not changing your diet, I still, man, I came across a guy. This is somebody in my last story. I actually told this to Carl. I went to a gig, a new gig that I'm starting the other day, and the idea was we needed to, it's a brand new location. Our company, the company that I, I contract through, 
our company has their other location and does trivia, and they love it. They do a really good job. So when they open a new location, they immediately want to start another thing with us there. So we're going in early to test the sound, to make sure we understand how it works, how everything sounds, make sure, you know, document it so that we can tell other DJs how to do it, so on and so forth. And then possibly put TVs, you put uh, PowerPoint presentations on the TV so that people can see what we're doing as well. And this is the anti antithesis of change is the guy who put it in is older than fucking dirt and thinks he knows goddamn everything because he was around when TVs were invented. And this is what I'm making up. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he was definitely older than dirt. I don't know if he was around when TVs were invented. But he just came in with his attitude instead of talking to me and find out what I know. And I was there because of the computer part. But I'm also going to host that gig. But I was there because I know the computers. And I know them inside and out. I know how to broadcast. I know how to connect shit. And so I was there to do that. And he comes in and he just talked down to me. He talked to me like it was stupid. And finally, I busted his I busted his bubble and made him feel worthless and ended it. Just ended it. And here's what happened. So he's he's yelling at me about the stupid bullshit thing about the audio. And I said, No, here's why I did it. You said this, this, and this. Were you wrong? Well, you never did it. No, 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 no. No, you specifically said. This, this, and this. And when I did it the way that I wanted to do it, the way you set up the system is I have to max the volume out on everything, and that's bullshit. That is bullshit. I said this to him. You should never, if I took my camera and showed you my board, I still have 30% volume left on my volume. I still have 75% gain left on my gain. That's how much room I can do to give you more volume and more. In, and then I can even go to my, my recording program and boost it up another 10%. So you always have what's called headroom when you know what the fuck you're doing. This guy didn't. He just puts in shit. And he wants the newest toys, but he doesn't understand how they work. And he was talking to me like I was stupid. So I had to argue with him. It's like, no, your way, I had to max it. And you said I could do it. I could put as much power into the system as I wanted. So I did it my way so I'd have room to move. All right, fine. We fixed it. Shut the fuck up. Leave me alone. And I go about doing my thing. And here's what he keeps telling me. Well, you get the TV on Wi-Fi and a computer. Connect the computer to the Internet box. What are you talking about? He means a router. He meant a router. A $30 router from Walmart. Uh, get, just get you an Internet box and wire to it. And then it's just broadcasting. I went, no, it's not. And he kept saying that over and over. And I finally went in front of everybody. How? Tell me how, right now, this computer is going to broadcast, because I've been around computers since I was fucking 15 years old, and I'll be 40 this year. I've built them. I've run them. My entire business runs on broadcasting live videos and doing media. I know what it takes to broadcast. So you tell me right now what I'm missing that somehow magically, because that TV's on Wi-Fi and my computer's on the Wi-Fi, how is it magically just going to put my screen up there? Um... I said, yeah, we're done. We're done. And I just start packing my shit up and I left. Because don't fucking push me. Change the conversation. And I tried every which way to say, no, I know this is what's going on. Here's what you normally have to do. You know, this is connected. And he's like, well, just get, bring your own router. Bring your own. Why? How is my router different than the internet they have built in? It's just different. Then you don't know internet. You don't know what you're talking about. And the fact that he wouldn't change... 
the fact that he thought he knew everything because he's older as shit and he's not used to people bat talking him. I don't give a fuck about how old you are. I never do. You can be 20. You can be 15. And you come up to me, and it doesn't necessarily even have to be nice. It helps. It really helps if you're like, hey, I see you're doing this. Let me help you. What if you did this, this, and this, and it would get you here? That would be the perfect way to do it. But if you come up and go, God, you know, if you just did this, it would work. Okay, I'm going to react to your pissiness, but I'm going to try it, and I'm going to listen to you. It doesn't matter if you're 15 or 50. It doesn't matter if you're pissy or not. If you got the right information and you tell me what to do, I will fucking try it because I did actually change my life. I used to think, I literally used to think, I know what the fuck I'm doing on everything and you can't tell me shit. Well, now I've learned, doesn't make sense to me. I'm going to try it. I don't think it'll work, but I am going to try it to see if maybe I'm just mislooking at it. Maybe, my, maybe I'm missing a piece of information. Maybe my perception is different. So I'll try it. And he kept pushing and kept pushing. I kept coming back with different answers. Look, I'm doing it. Look, I'm showing you. Well, your, your box is just cheap. The router I took with me is an industrial standard Wi-Fi router. And I kept telling him, unless I plug this into Internet, it will not let me change. Yeah, I can connect to the Wi-Fi, and it, the TV can connect, but I can't change any settings. I can't do anything on it because it has to have Internet. It's an industrial. He called it cheap. Well, he's got a cheap one. It won't work. You called it an internet box, you old fuck. Get out of my face. And so finally when he just wouldn't listen, and that's the problem, people. Change, what did I say? Change can mean getting the hell out of a situation to something better. Change can be, I'm going to use different tactics and different words, and maybe I'll connect with you. Change can be any kind of things. And when I tried my version of change, well, I tried, I use my words. I'm going to come at you this way. I'm going to ask you this way. I'm going I'm to leave you alone and let you go and figure something out and play with it and not comment on anything and just work on something on my own and Google stuff on my own and give you space. I tried everything. And when you still come at me like you fucking know shit because you're old, I shut him down. I made him feel stupid. And I did it intentionally because I was done. I was done with him talking down to me, thinking that I was shit, like, no, I'm a human being, and you're not even giving me a human being respect. So let me show you what I do best. Oh, I broke you. Yeah. Hashtag not sorry. <laughs> so there, there's all of that. And I want to I leave this on a good note. My wife has been everything to me. There's an episode on rockoutofpodcasting.com, What's It Like Being Married to Aaron McFall. Listen to that. She has been the catalyst, the reason. Humans will not change unless you give us a reason to. And to me, I, I got angry. What I meant to do was show the sadness of, of the lack of change. Of His life was just this miserable life, and this is the only thing he had, and, and he had to be right. Well, it's because you... <laughs> okay, for some reason, you typed in blind mail on change. All I could hear is no rain. I don't know why. <laughs> is that my life? Anyway. It is sad to see when people can't move forward. Angie and I actually had a talk last night about a mutual friend of ours that just decided to stick to the dead-end spot of his life instead of changing it, and we miss him. We miss him. But I'll always do what I have to do to make my family happy, and that means sometimes when I think I'm right, to let go of that. That means sometimes when I have a way of doing things and I think what she's doing is wrong, to let go of that, and let's try it her way. And... I'm going to finish with this. 
reiteration because this idea I just had today, and I, I definitely want to lock this in. We are emotional, spiritual, universal sharks as human beings. If we're not moving, which movement brings change, it always does. If we're not moving, we're dying. And to bring it back to the beginning, while my wife says I don't like change, which you know how I feel about the word don't. The universe can't hear it. I can't hear it. Don't go turn that light off. What the fuck are you talking about? Leave the light on. Oh, okay. So she she's, says, I like change. If she's saying, I don't like change, I like change. But here's the thing with her. She is moving. She is growing. She is always trying to see. In fact, we had a, a fight the other day where we yelled at each other. Um, and I'm not ready to talk about it yet. It's still too soon for me. Uh, decisions were made. I did what I felt like I had to do. We had two different realities. And we did. And, and she threw that at me like it was going to hurt my feelings. She's like, change your reality. Your reality was this. And change, you should change. It's like, you're right. My, my reality was that. But I have so much to back me up on that that I don't see a way to change that reality. So what I'm going to do is make my decision based on my reality. And I'm sorry that it goes against your reality. But I believe your, your reality is patently false in this situation. And there was a fight for it. And there was this back and forth. But she actually came to the end of the fight, and she goes, maybe I handled this wrong. Maybe I did this wrong. And not in the way of it's all my fault. Because we do, that's part of our fight is, oh, like always, it's all my fault. And blah. No, in a real way of that, because she is somebody who moves. She is growing. And she will hit change inevitably. And here's what I love about her. Like it or hate it, she does it. She knows that sometimes change is necessary. And she knows that being where she was when we first got married, being where she was when she's a teenager before I met her, being where she was last year in the way she saw the world and saw things is a bad way to be when you're here today and you're in the now. So that's where we are, man. All right, this is Rock Out of Podcasting live on Facebook. Check me out, facebook.com forward slash Rock Out of Podcasting. Thank you, everybody, especially Johnny, man. You really triggered some great stories and great different ways of saying things and telling things that, that normally aren't trained. Phil, it is great to see you again. I love I love how much you've been a part of this journey and this show. Nicole and your support. Angie. Uh, now I feel like I have to scroll through and make sure I hit it. Uh, Carl. Carl. Terry Wolf. Yeah, man, we're going to hook up in Chicago and have fun. I'm going to Chicago next weekend for the Pokemon Go Fest. So that's where you can find me live. I will be at Chicago at the Pokemon Go Fest July 22nd. You can find me there. Uh, you can also find me at Dragon Con. I am going to be doing a lot of stuff, including a lot of panels with Dragon Con uh, this year, starting September 1st through 4th is when it is. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday of Labor Day weekend. I'm all over Dragon Con. You can find me live there. And follow my Facebook page. I'm trying to do my personal one. I'm trying to do more events to where I'm doing the trivia. So you know, hey, it's Monday night. I'm in this area. I can do trivia. It's Friday night. I can do karaoke. If you care, you can find me. And that's the way to do it. Uh, email me, uh, rgrgop at charlesmcfall.com. Email me, bearkrong at gmail.com. That's fine, too. Uh, Twitter is at rockgotapod. I already mentioned the Facebook. Uh, and Rock Got a Podcasting has a speak pipe tab if you go there click the tab you can record a 90 second message and i'll play it back on the show and i will i will get it uh, uh your voice will be on the show and i will love you long time for it so the way i played this music is just kind of gonna fade in let me see if i bring my music up 
All right. Until next time, I did not do a show last week. I just got the previous show published on the podcasting. So uh, you're not missing. I didn't do anything July 4th week. I just I just didn't. It was my bad. So, again, uh, do this as much as I can, at least once a week. I give it my best shot. Adam, thank you for jumping in. Adam, i just ending the show. But uh, you know what? You can watch this video. The podcast will be out later. Check out more of my work on rockoutofpodcasting.com. And you know what? I've talked a lot about change, but I'm going to go back to my main message every time. Love people. Tell them you love them. Get out there and hug somebody and fucking mean it. Till next time.